This is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie H. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that he practices every day that allows him to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader reminds us to always take a close inventory of your life and make sure that you're surrounding yourself with mentors that can help you win the race. This simple philosophy is one that you too can apply every day to live your life with success. Chris Arbuckle is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 19 starts now. Welcome to the program, Chris. Hey, Mel. How you doing? Gosh, so we're right here in your, I call it your garage, your palace. <laughs> well, it's not my palace, right? I told you when you guys got here, I'm a, I'm a customer of this palace. This is, uh, we're sitting right in the middle of Haynes Performance Auto Sports on the northwest side of Indianapolis. Uh, Joe's a really good friend of mine and uh, helps me maintain, um, you know, the vintage race car stuff that I do, as well as other friends of ours that do this. And he's a pro mechanic for the Pro Mazda series. Um, you know, it's an IndyCar feeder system. So um, it's a cool place to be. I joke with him that when I get ready to retire, I'm going to come work here, you know, for... Take out the trash. For hour, yeah, whatever, <laughs> just whatever, just hang out and do whatever he needs me to do. So. This is so cool. For those yeah. of you that don't know Chris Arbuckle, he and I go way back, and he has been chosen to be one of my everyday leaders, <clears throat> excuse me, because he is the epitome of leadership. Anybody that has worked with knows Chris as a neighbor, knows his family like you just you ooze leadership so I am so excited that you are going to be on the show and this is actually going to push out on race day that's cool so we're going to have cool. a lot of fun with this um, if it doesn't rain on Sunday <laughs> doesn't matter. You know, it'll be on Sunday the Memorial Day weekend yeah so race day um, that's that's really cool and and I appreciate the invite Mel and it's great to great to talk to you and um, you know, race day is my favorite day of the year. You know, it's my Christmas morning, and, and it has been ever since I was five or six years old. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, definitely it's been an underlying theme all the way along the way. Well, it just makes sense. And so <clears throat> so we, I kind of start the show off in how we know each other, and we met each other in medical, kind of the medical device world. And a lot of people that are, you know, you go in for a test or you go in because you feel pain mm-hmm. and you have a procedure. And you and I are on the other side of that where we try to help the doctors and the nurses decide on devices that will improve patient outcomes. And so that's been kind of where we have lived for a long time. And when I started to recognize, you know, what we had in common and then I learned the other side of Chris Arbuckle and what keeps you balanced. And that's what this whole racing thing is. And so what's been amazing is to, is to watch your journey and know that, you know, you have had a lot of influence from people in your life in both your corporate profession as well as your passion. So I want to start listeners off by learning about you, okay. Chris Arbuckle. So let's talk about mentors and, mm-hmm. and how, what you believe as far as what you learned early in life about mentoring, who your mentor was or, or who they are, and how that's helped you. Right. Um, you know, I can't start a mentor discussion without talking about my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, by far and away, um, you know, in my formative years, he was uh, just a, a great guy to be around. He was an orthodontist here in town. Um, so, 
everybody that saw him, and we, if we were out to dinner, you know, people would come up and say, oh, Dr. Arbuckle, you know, and, and there'd be a 14-year-old kid with braces, you know, saying, hi, my mouth hurts. <laughs> and, and, Adjust uh, me. Right, exactly. So, um, so I grew up, you know, with, uh, with him, and he taught me, the one thing he told me very early on, I mean, and, and I say very early, probably, you know, junior high, teenage years, when you're starting to kind of figure out you know, what the future's going to hold. Uh, he said, Christopher, and that's what he always called me when he wanted to be real serious. Uh, Christopher, um, you know, if you find something that you love to do, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that I kind of took hold of um, there. He was a, an example of that in that he started his career um, as a civil engineer, and he built Phillips 66 gas stations all over wow. the Midwest and the West and had an opportunity to, um, when I, before I was born, I think, to, to move to Denver, and he thought he wanted to be in Colorado and in the mountains, and he loved to fish and, and all that. So, um, and for whatever reason, he got turned out for that job. And uh, the story that he shared with me at that point, when we talked about that, when I got a little bit older, he said, you know, I, I got to a point where I thought, wow, I'd, I'd like to go back to dental school. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to change direction. But, boy, I'm going to be, you know, 36, 37 years old by the time I get out of this. Mm -hmm. And he went to a friend of his and, uh, and said, you know, this is what I'm thinking. What do you, you know, what do you think about that? And he said, well, Gordon, he says, you're going to be 36 or 37 years old no matter what you do. And so that was, I, I knew that that was something that, that he, you know, he hung on to, mm -hmm. um, and and made his path and, and did what he wanted to do and and provided for us and gave us a lot of you know a lot of opportunities. I had two wonderful sisters and, and my mom um, that all benefited from you know from being around him. Mm -hmm. and, and he left us way too early, but that's mm -hmm. you know um, that's part of that. So that's number one. Um, you know, other mentors. Um, oh, you know Kim Smith, yep. um, great Absolutely. friend of mine. Um, dear friend and uh, hired me at Fujifilm back in the in the very early days. Um, there's another story behind that we can get into a little <laughs> bit later, maybe. But um, so he's been he's been great. I mean, just a uh, you know a stable influence all the way through as far as uh, ethics and doing things the right way. Mm -hmm. um, and then there, there was another um, another gentleman by the name of Tom Zipperly that I got to work with. Uh, at, in my early Fuji days when I became an area vice president over there. Um, and he taught me to, you know, his, the, the one saying that rings through today, he said, Chris, listen to what people say, but you have to make your decisions based on what they do. Mm -hmm. and, and that has been a, a really, you know, just kind of one of those things that's always in the back of my head because it's real easy to give lip service, right? And it's, it's real easy to say, yes, this is what we're going to do, or this is the direction we should take. Mm -hmm. But if, if a leader doesn't walk the walk, you have to make a decision, you know, am I, am I going to follow, mm -hmm. or am I going to blaze my own path, or am I going to challenge this? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, between, between those guys, and there's so many more. I mean, you can, you know, I mean, I learned so much from, <laughs> from my wife and, and my kids and my sisters and, and you, you know, honestly. So just there's, a, there's an energy level that you have that I'm not quite sure exactly how that comes about. But, uh, you know, your husband's over there laughing <laughs> with his headphones on. So, um, but... Um, He's like, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. Wears, wears him out, maybe. But, but um, 
no, so those are, those are the key people, mm-hmm. uh, and my mom. I mean, you know, she's she's kind of uh, fighting some health issues at the moment, but she's mm-hmm. we're getting through that, and um, you know, and I, I, you know, when you go through things like that, yep. beyond work, beyond your you know your hobbies and so forth, um, you know, my sisters and I, you, you you have opportunities where you get so you know you, you go to another level with right. with family people that that have been you know, my heart and soul for 50 plus years. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a cool thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so important when I talk about, I want people to understand you have had so much success in your life, but you've had so much balance the whole time. You know, when you talk about your dad and being a mentor and really getting into racing and enjoying that with you and having those 50 weekends, right? Those 50 special weekends and thinking you have to really appreciate today. Correct. Because right. we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised anything about what our life looks like today. So we have to pay attention, right, to the surround people uh, in our lives that really make us better. Those mentors that say, walk that walk, right? Pay attention. Be very aware right. <laughs> of, of the people that you're surrounding yourself with because that influences everything that you choose to do. Right. And, and I think you need, to, you need to have people in your life that, that will support you to the extent that you, you're not afraid to take a chance, um, because I think that's huge. I, I think if you know, um, I mean, for what I do with my hobby, and you know, we fail a lot more <laughs> than, than we succeed in in that sport. Um, and it's, but even the failures you learn from, and, and you can walk away from a weekend really satisfied um, that hey, something broke, or we know what to fix next time, or we got. You know, we got a little bit faster, but we didn't win and, and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you need to have people around that are, are willing to let you do that. And, um, you know, certainly back in the, in the early days of doing this, um, I mean, if you look over here at the car, um, everything I've run, and uh, in, in I, I call it my second tour, because when, when we lost Dad and, and uh, we had a deal, um, you know, when dad made it, he made a deal with me. Christopher, we'll go, f- Christopher again. We'll go as far as racing, in racing as you want, as, as far as long as your budget allows it. And he said, I will pick up half the tab. Well, dad's half was not really, <laughs> it was a very unfair half balanced in my favor uh, as we did that. Mm-hmm. So when we lost him, um, you know, we had a car really similar to the one that's sitting right behind you. And, um, I sold that, gave the money to mom, and, and walked away from it for mm-hmm. for quite a while. And then um, when we got back into go-karting and so forth, my kids at the time, when, when dad passed away, my daughter was one. Um, so wow. she didn't really get to know him very well. My son never met him. Um, and uh, when I started racing again, my daughter was eight and my son was five. So every car I've had since that, you know, since I got back into it, um, has been number 85, and that's just kind of stuck with that's me really from cool. there. And, um, you know, she's now 22, and he's 18, <laughs> and, they're still, uh, and they're still coming out and supporting, supporting their old man a little bit. So, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit, so that's a really great segue to this, but what makes up, right, a great leader is the components inside of it. And mm-hmm. so before we even started this <clears throat> podcast, we were talking about the things that are in this car today and... You know, I, I know a little bit. It's beautiful. It's orange. It is bright orange. <laughs> For yeah, all the women is. out there, it's a really pretty orange. It's a Loa. It's, <laughs> but what I think is most interesting is when I was seven or eight, we had a Ford Pinto. 
Mm -hmm. And when you told me that this car actually has a Ford Pinto motor. Yes, it does. So <laughs> how does that work? Like you have all these great components in here, right? But you've got the best of the best in this car. This is like, guys, if, you, if you've never seen this, I'm going to post a picture of this with the podcast. But this is an amazing, beautiful car. And it is, and I look at Chris's name and I say, you know, when you, you put your first letter of your name with your with your last name, mm -hmm. it spells car. I guess it does, doesn't so it? So you yeah, know, I that, about <laughs> that was kind so, of synonymous with where yeah. you were supposed to be in life. Right, right. Well, I think, I think Carbuckle. so. Carbuckle. <laughs> Carbuckle, yeah. So that's that's my email address at every company I think I've ever been with. C-Carbuckle is it's Carbuckle. So, that's a good point. Yeah, so. you see it on the car and you're like, well, it's a natural fit. Right, so. so well, I, I've got another, you know, I'm going to sidetrack here. i got another story because when, when my wife was pregnant with our second, uh, my son's name is Trace, and he was born in June. It was uh, extremely hot mm -hmm. that day, and we got to the hospital. And Katie said, I am not walking in here until we pick a name. And we had, <laughs> we had our girl's name picked out. If it was girls, we didn't know what was coming. And, mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> we had had a couple names that, uh, you know, picked out, and one was Trace. And she said, you know, Trace has race in the name. I said, good to go. Let's go. <laughs> So, and, and that's really where that decision was made. And, um, you know, and he's, you know, both our kids are, are wonderful, but that's, mm -hmm. you know, the carbuckle thing I never really put together until you just spit that out. That's I like hilarious. It. It's, it's so true. I've always thought about that because when I found out your history, I'm like, well, that would make sense then. There you go. It's, it's so, carbuckle. Just like, just like you and make it happen, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it fits. <laughs> it right. fits. So tell me about, you, you learned a ton, and I want to get into this early because I know you're going to have a lot of stories around this, but what do you think one of the biggest lessons that you've ever learned as a leader? Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> you know, number one is you have to follow your heart. You, you have to believe in what you're doing. You have to be able to um, exude that when you're, when you're talking to people. Um, the, the one thing that I learned early on, because I went from being a sales rep into the management side of things and, and then, you know, on into the director level and so forth. So what you find out is um, when you're a rep and you're a pretty good one, you think your way is the, the way that everybody should do it because it's, you've been successful and, and this is a pattern. What you learn really quick um, as a manager if you're going to be a successful one, is you have to realize people aren't going to do it your way and they're still going to find success. So I think that <clears throat> when you let people work to their strengths, I think that's the biggest, biggest thing that I had to learn from a leadership standpoint was to take a step back and mm -hmm. say, you know what, I'm not going to, let's see where this goes and, and let's see if this works because if it does, I'm learning from it. Mm -hmm. And I think true leaders, when you, when you really take a step back, it's not really what you do to drive somebody forward. It's what you do collectively as a, mm -hmm. as a team. And, um, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's been really what I have, um, I guess, garnered the most satisfaction uh, with over the course of time mm -hmm. is to have successful teams, not successful individuals, not a successful Chris Arbuckle, but, you know, I'm part of a team that we're, we're making a difference mm -hmm. and we're able to go out, um, <clears throat> whether it's hit a sales number, you know, improve outcomes, um, you know, go to the racetrack and have a good time and, and end up on a podium. It, there's, there's a bunch of different levels that you, uh, that you go through with your life in, in different 
you know, in different avenues, mm -hmm. depend on the endeavor. But well, because you've got, like you <clears> said, the, there's so many strengths and people bring different strengths to the table. So when you use that the correct way, you can really strive, right, for that success. Correct. correct. And <laughs> so a story I have to share with you because everybody tells me this Chris Arbuckle story. The first time you went into a regional meeting, I forget what company it was with, mm -hmm. um, but they said you shared a story and you said, you know, a car has a rear view mirror on it. Mm-hmm. But let's, we're going to tear that rearview mirror off because we're not going to look backward. Right. We're going forward. Right. And so as you kind of set the stage for that team, right, it's, I don't care what happened in the past, that's yesterday. Right. But today is what matters, and today is what we're going to focus on going forward, and those are the things that we're going to build on. So where, I mean, I know it kind of relates to your car, right, the analogy, right. but that philosophy, <clears throat> who, who taught you that? Um. Well, you know what? I don't know that anybody. I think, I think that one just kind of evolved over over mm -hmm. time. It's like you, you once kind you of once you, it, right? once you well, absolutely once yeah. you make a decision, and um, and we had a discussion before this started about this this car um, is getting ready to to get put on the sales block. You I know, know. I, I know it's so pretty. <laughs> I'm like, and, don't give up that and car. And it's gonna it's gonna be you know it's gonna be a tough thing for me to let go of. However. You make a decision and you move forward, and and you can't start the next journey until the one you're on is completed. And if 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 it's a car, if it's you know, um, if it's a job, if it's a position, you have to move forward. Mm -hmm. And once you make a decision, you can't look over your shoulder. You can't look back. Um, you know, I don't. I I like to say that I don't have any regrets. I don't think there's a person out there that doesn't have regrets at some point for something. You know, mm -hmm. along the way. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't tend to look at them as regrets, but I think, I think I'd call them what ifs, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, what if I would have done this? What if this would have been different? What if I wouldn't have been in this particular situation at this time or met this person? What, what would have happened? Um, I think everybody has that. I think mm -hmm. that's, you know, uh, I think that's part of it. So, so when you look back at that, what do you, we talk about trade-offs, you mm -hmm. know, the things that you've really thought like. I did that because I, I wanted to really get to that next stage. And I look at this car, and that's, that's a big trade-off because you've had success in this, and it's beautiful, and it's at the top of the game. What are the other things in life, maybe not corporate, <clears throat> not, not car-related, maybe personal, that mm -hmm. you felt like, I did this because I knew I wanted to go to a different place? Right. So, well, you know, my, the first, I think, I, I think I'd probably answer that question by giving you a lesson learned from a trade-off. And, and it does deal with the corporate world. It deals with the sales world. It deals with what I was doing before I got into, into medical sales. Mm -hmm. I was working um, here in Indiana out of a shop with a company that sold industrial cutting fluids and chemicals. Um, you know, I'm a chemistry major by background from, from Indiana. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I was in a, and obviously got some mechanical aptitude uh, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> so, so it was a good fit for me to, you know, to be in this position. And I would go into plants all over northeastern Indiana, and you had your call pattern, and, and it was complex sales. So I learned a lot about engineering processes, machining processes, coolants, chemistries, um, all of that. But part of that deal, um, part of the of the success, was I would walk into a plant in Auburn, Indiana, and they would see, oh, there's Chris. He's he's our lubricants guy. He's got cigarette lighters. You know, we had giveaway uh -huh. cigarette lighters. Mm -hmm. 
And so, and they expect them, and, and these machine operators were wonderful people. I met some great folks along the way and would have these fun conversations, and, and we would talk about racing or fishing or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And, um, but they were like, hey, man, you got a lighter? And, you know, and so I'm giving away these lighters with our company logo on it. And I'm driving down the road one day, and I'm like, this doesn't fit. You know, I'm I'm promoting lung cancer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and I, you know, I kind of always thought I wanted to be in the medical uh, industry, mm -hmm. and I had been prior to that position with um, with a diagnostics company with inside sales and marketing and, and that kind of thing. So, and got outside with them, and then took this job. But I just I learned that that trade off for me personally was I I was doing something, even though the business side of it I was interested in. Mm -hmm the expectation of it from my manager at the time and so forth didn't fit, you know, didn't fit kind of my ethical mm -hmm. side of things. And, mm -hmm. and that was a, you know, that was a pretty big step. And mm -hmm. so I decided at that point, you know what, I got to get on the other side of this mm -hmm. from a healthcare perspective. It, it, I like the sales part of it. That's I like the complex story. part of it. So that was, you know, when you talk about trade-offs mm -hmm. and, and you, you know, you realize, you know what, my heart's not in this. And it showed in my performance. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's part of it too. And you know, you have to deal with, you know, well, you're not going to have a job if you don't get this sorted out. And mm -hmm. and um, so that was that was not an easy time. Well, and you make friends wherever you go. So people were like, "Come see us because we want these lighters too." Right, right. right. So there, yeah, there's some of that. But it just you know, there was that kind of mental yeah. mental block where I I didn't think that that fit who I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And. Um, and know that I am, so mm -hmm. I just, you know, um, decided, hey, you know, again, can't look back, and and so that's that started, you know, my my search for, you know, trying to find a path mm -hmm. into the medical sales, and mm -hmm. and you, you know, everybody, everybody that gets into this game, you're you're an equipment rep. Wow, that's got to be glamorous. You got to, yeah. it, it's the no. farthest <laughs> thing from it Not you glamorous. could even imagine, but um, you know, but it is very rewarding. Yep. Uh, when you do it right and, and when you have that team environment. Mm -hmm. so. so what would you say as a coach, because you coached a lot of people that are kind of stuck, mm -hmm. you know, you, went, you took us through this journey, but, you know, people that have been doing something successfully and they're passionate about for a long time, but yet they feel that there's maybe a change, that there's something that's missing, you know, you, you kind of do something for so long and you become the expert and you feel like, hey, I, I, am really involved and I'm really giving back and I'm really rewarded. But we talk about growth, mm -hmm. right? And leadership is about growing and changing. And um, I always teach this lesson about the rubber band, right? When you take a rubber band and you stretch it, mm -hmm. it will never go back to its original state. And so you have experienced so many other things, you know, outside of your comfort zone, right. if you will. Sure. Um, what would you, what would you say? What would you coach people to, to say, try something different or or start to try to fail so you can learn some right. new experiences. Well, that, that, that's it. And I measure a sales rep now from a management standpoint. You don't really, my, my gut feeling on somebody, if they're right for what we do, mm -hmm. and, you know, there's a lot, well, you get a lot of no's in this business. You get a lot of not now, no, I'll never use your stuff. I like the stuff from the other company. We've mm -hmm. got a relationship with them. All that stuff um, comes together. But you, you do get involved in these projects and, you know, some of our younger guys and gals especially get involved and they realize how in-depth this is and how much work there is. And we're talking about deals that can be, 
you know, <clears throat> half a million, million, million and a half, two million dollar projects, mm-hmm. and you put your heart and your soul into these projects, yep. and you think you're covering all the bases, and you're you're asking for help and so forth, and at the end of the day, it may not work out, mm-hmm. and you've invested, you know, <clears throat> months mm-hmm. into the into that project, mm-hmm. and so. And that's going to happen. It's going to happen whether you're selling a medical device, whether you're selling a race car. A race. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, the way that I measure and the way that I lead is, is to look at what happens the day after that disappointment happens. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do the day you get kicked in the mouth? What are you going to do the next morning? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? What are you going to get up? You're going to look in the mirror and you're going to go, wow. That was not good, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to let that happen again. Um, or if I see that again, now I know, and you're going to learn from it, and you're going to pick up. So I think you see a lot of, um, um, you know, a, a lot of growth in people mm-hmm. when they have to experience failure and they have to really dig down deep and go, man, is this really what I want to do? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's just work. I mean, I think you it's could, everything. Yeah. you could, you know, you could go into whatever section of your life you want to want to look at. I think it's, uh, it's pretty critical that you mm-hmm. are able to say, wow, that didn't work. Okay. What's next? Mm-hmm. And pull yourself up by the bootstraps and and go. So I try to encourage people to say, hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It happens to everybody. It's going to happen to you again. And if it hasn't, it will. That's right. <laughs> so that's get right. Yeah, exactly. Get prepared for it. Yeah. And understand that that's, you know, that's part of life. Um, you know, there's, there's certain things that, that work great, and there's certain things that you're like, wow, that was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so, I won't do that again. I won't do that again. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that that's the uh, you know that's the deal, and mm-hmm. and and it's fun from a coaching standpoint to to do that with you know your people that are in the industry. Um, it's fun to do it with my kids, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and see them grow through athletics and school and college and and. And they deal with, you know, they deal with triumphs and, and they deal with tears. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's, it's part of growing up. Part so, of it. Right. What, what would you say about, um, you know, I like to talk about environment a lot. Environment changes a lot of times your attitude mm-hmm. about things. And mm-hmm. so if you feel like even in car racing, so I want to take you into car racing, what, what are your favorite tracks that you've raced on? Oh, wow. Um, I don't have I don't have a lot that I don't like, <laughs> so um, there's some there's some great tracks out there. Um, you know, Mid Ohio has has probably been the one that I've driven the most at. Um, mm-hmm. You know, up north of Columbus in Mansfield, Ohio. Um, any pro level track like that, Road America, uh, Road Atlanta is unbelievably fast with unbelievable elevation changes and uh you know the g-loading and the stuff that you feel mm-hmm. there is really cool mm-hmm. um even to heartland park topeka kansas which i've been on a couple times here in the last couple of years which wow. is new to me mm-hmm. turn one that complex there is as scary as <laughs> as anywhere I've so ever when been. you say new mm-hmm. you, what happened the first time that you were there after um, being really experienced? Right. What so, that like? well, you, you know, fortunately you go there with guys out of Kansas city that know it really well. Yeah. So you do a lot of discussion. I'm yeah. like, all right, what happens in, in, you know, I've been around long enough where you can go, okay, this is going to be an interesting corner. So how do you guys do this in this particular car? Mm-hmm. And, um, and you, you know, we, I'm, I'm pretty good at listening and learning and, and trying to implement and execute. Mm-hmm. So, um, so from that standpoint, 
you know, I, I had a guy tell me, okay, because that, that particular, there's a corner there where you come up over a hill and you can't see where you're going. You don't know where the road's going to go. You literally aim the car at a telephone pole that is a mile off the track. Wow. And say, that's, if the car's pointed there, you're going to come over the hill in the right spot. And no, so, I have a story. Okay. So when I was young, my family had snowmobiles. Okay. And same scenario, I, I should have had you as a coach way before because I went up the hill in the snowmobile and I didn't see the tree. Right. Right. <laughs> and I wrecked the snowmobile. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't good. No, it's not good. It's but not I good didn't at all. look way beyond. I just, you know, you lose control. And so for you, but you've got all this experience. So mm-hmm. listening to people and saying, you know, how, how should I approach this? And should I be inside or outside or really right. look beyond? <clears throat> yeah. Right. That's the key is, you know, and, and I've done some instructing and stuff before, and you teach people. I mean, there's a, I mean, you probably read The Art of Racing in the Rain. Yep. And it's a great book if you love dogs and, and cars and, and um, you know, really love that book. But the, uh, I mean, one, of the, one of the tenets in there when the main character is teaching is the car goes where your eyes go. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep your eyes up. And, and, you know, that's one of the great parallels of racing and business is you, you better be looking far ahead because if you're looking right over the nose of the car, you're going to hit something, mm-hmm. and, and it's going to hurt. hurt. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's going <laughs> to hurt. I've had a couple of those. But, um, yeah, so that's the, you know, I, I think that that's one of the things that, you know, w- when you look forward and keep your eyes up and, and, you know, know what's coming. But then what happens is when you experience, whether it's racing or whether it's business, it's, it's always a little bit different, but you see the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you see this corner is a lot like, you know, th- th- this corner at Heartland Park's a lot like this corner at Road America when we talk about the carousel and mm-hmm. so forth. And the car feels the same here, and okay, I know what to expect. And you just, you know, you get uh, you get to the point where you, you start to internalize some of that stuff, and you're like, okay, I got this. This, mm-hmm. is, this is no big deal. So Well, you just start becoming an expert. You know, you really know how to handle things that are coming at you in that same pace. Yeah, you, you, so. mentioned, you mentioned something about extra. I, I don't know that you ever become an expert. I think, I think if you do something for 10 years yeah. in the same realm, you're an expert right. in quotes, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you, you're still learning. You know, if you're not learning every day, you're, you're not going forward. And, um, and I think, you know, that term expert gets thrown around a little loosely sometimes. You know, if anybody, if anybody looks at me and says, oh, Chris, you're an expert, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, you just have a lot of experience, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. That's the two first letters, the EX, right? Right, you're exactly. You're the expert of this experience. Right. So, right. Um, so I love that you got in the car earlier. And I ask you, you know, how do you get in this car? Because as you guys will see pictures of this, there's a big flat surface on each side. Mm-hmm. And I would have to take yoga for like 10 weeks before <laughs> I'd be able to jump over there. Right. But you have to be really careful. But these cars are constructed in such a way that they don't, you know, if, if you're four foot tall, you probably couldn't get into these very carefully unless you were an acrobat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not without the, a step on the stool or something, right? So, but, yeah. uh, but it's amazing. So tell me, you know, when you get in that car for the first time, and and so you're going to sell this one. Mm-hmm. Really, you're going to sell this one. It's got to go. Yeah, I said go. we're going to we're we're going to go in a different direction. So it's it's time. So, so when you get in the next car, mm-hmm. and you get in there for the very first time on the very first track, mm-hmm. what does that feel like? Well, um, 
now I have a story. All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to the first time I got in a race car mm -hmm. at a driver school here at Indianapolis Raceway Park. And, and my dad and I, this was in our 50-50 days, mm -hmm. and we bought a little Formula Ford. Um, it was a Lola. This is, you know, it's kind of been my, my uh, go-to mark, I guess, uh, along the way. So um, we went to driver school, and when you get in the car for the first time, there's, there's definitely nerves. Um, you don't really know what to expect. And when you're at driver school, you've gone through all these, this is what the flags mean, and these people are telling you, you can kill yourself doing this if you don't pay attention. And, and yep. you go through all of that stuff, and people are rightfully so very serious about mm -hmm. making sure everybody understands it's, it's a safety first and, and doing this in the competition in a controlled environment, something I really believe in. So. Um, but I climbed in the car, and my dad was there as he as he always was. You know, this was our first thing. He was nervous too. I mean, you know, you're putting your if I put my kid, I put my kid in my shifter cart out at Newcastle, and I sit there and I sweat bullets. I'm like, oh God, because <laughs> I know what it is, and and um, and he's done. Mm -hmm. you know, Trey's done really well with it, just in in fun practice days, but really has no interest in competing in it, which is fine. But the the first time out in that car and when we're getting ready and they give you a five minute signal and then it's three and, and dad leans in and you're you know you're like, Your heart's oh, racing. I, hope, <laughs> I hope when I dump the clutch that I don't kill the car because uh -huh. there's 14 other guys behind me that want out so um and dad leans down at the five minute signal and he says Chris he's actually Christopher <laughs> he says Christopher because I just want you to know if you go out there and you scare the hell out of yourself pull it back in, and you know what? We, we both like to fish. We'll go, we'll go sell it, and we'll go get a bass boat. And I'm like, all right. Um, take off, and you, know, you go out, and you're the first few laps, they're behind a pace car, and it's all controlled, and here's the flag stand. And then the pace car pulls off, and you get to start going. And you think you're flying, but you're really going pretty slow because mm -hmm. it's your first time in a car, your first time. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and you're in the car for 15 or 20 minutes and then they flag the session and you pull off into the pits. And um, I pulled in and dad's sitting there and I've stopped the car and I flipped up the visor. I said, you better forget about that boat. <laughs> and so that's how that started. So that's, that's the feeling you get with a new car. So you, you know, any, any car that I've been in um, going forward, you have to get familiar with it. You have to first understand you know, the safety side of it's key. You know, if something happens bad, how am I getting out of this mm -hmm. thing? You know, where's the fire pull switch? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the stuff you really have to think about. Um, and can I get out of this car in a hurry? You know, I've been, I'm not a small guy, 6'3"-ish, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, probably shrinking now. Yeah. But, so, but... Uh, not because of accident. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But, you know, I've driven spec Miatas, which, you know, for me to fold myself into one of those cars or even even this car... Um, it's it's not an easy thing for me to, to get in and out of. I mean, mm -hmm. if you go to the, the 500, um, which I guess they're going to release the podcast on that day. Yes, we you are. You know, there's a lot of lot of little little people in those cars. <laughs> that uh, little are, people. Uh, yeah. So there's some there. You know, some guys like Graham Ray. Those guys are my size too. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, you have to understand and respect it. Mm -hmm. And and once you you know, once you do that, it's it's all the same. It's all about balance and mm -hmm. and control and understanding the physics of it. And that yeah. consistency. I think, you know, what, what I've kind of watched from you and learned from you is that consistent behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody that, people that know you would say, when things get tough, Chris Arbuckle doesn't change his attitude. 
you just have this consistent, you know, maybe your face gets red, <laughs> but, but you have this, I do blush a little bit, you have so. this consistency of, um, just, you know, confidence mm-hmm. that is people look to you, they look to you for answers. They look to you to lead them, to kind of formulate, like you said, the team to, to kind of come up with the, the right conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's kind of what we learn from you. And so as you're getting ready to sell this car and have a new maybe team around you with a new car mm-hmm. and experience, um, what, are you looking, what are you looking to kind of learn next? Um, well, the, the next endeavor, I think, on the racing front is, is more towards what we've been doing for a couple of years with my friends uh, out, of, out of Kansas City to the West is endurance racing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the stuff that I've done in this orange car is, is a 30-minute all-out sprint, go as fast as you can. Um, and see where you end up. Do you Which, lean forward? Do I lean forward? <laughs> yeah, I duck. No, I don't. Um, you know, I usually just hang on. <laughs> but um, no, the, the, the endurance thing goes back to the team environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you get so much satisfaction out of an eight-hour race where you have to, you know, we've got four of us that, that run those races, and um, you have to hand it off to your teammate in good shape and I'm usually our starter mm-hmm. you know is kind of how we've done it we've changed it up a couple times but um, I've got a lot of years of experience being in close quarters with people so the start's always a little hectic and um, so they've kind of said okay Chris you get us through the first two hours and and so it's my job to make sure that you know I get the car to the next guy in line and it's in good shape and mm-hmm. we're in good position I've screwed that up a few times <laughs> but uh <laughs> Uh, but for the most part, you know, we, I, I do my job and, and you pass it on and then you support the car for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what I'm looking to do. My nephew, um, Nick, runs the go-karts with me now uh, out at Newcastle and mm-hmm. he's getting to the point where I think, you know, cars are a logical next step. So part of this journey is assisting him and, and helping um, get, give him an opportunity um, like my dad gave me. Mm-hmm. And, That's and, so cool. So t- tell me about Newcastle for people that don't know. What mm-hmm. what <clears throat> does that series look like, and when does it, those races happen? Well, those races are, it's, um, you know, it, it's go-kart racing. I mean, the, the stars of the future are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Joseph Newgarden had the, the uh, garage next to us for several years and, and so forth, so you, you see a lot of people um, that are out there. But you, you see some unbelievably competitive club level go-kart racing in their Mm -hmm. KRA series, which is what we do. They have other bigger events that come in and out of there, but, um, you know, Mark Dismore and his family have been in the go-karting business forever, and, you know, they built probably the, you know, one of the finest go-kart specific facilities in the world, and fortunately, it's literally an hour from my driveway, and so, um, and, you know, what you learn going out there in a go-kart, it's you know, Mark was talking to me one day, and he said, "You know, Chris, racing's <laughs> racing is racing. Whether you're racing a go kart or an Indy car, the difference is how many zeros are on the end of the check. And so it's the same thing. And 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 what you find out is, and, and if you go out there, and if you know if anybody's around Central Indiana, uh, you know, look up Newcastle Motorsports Park on the web, and and look at the KRA series, and come out, and you will see, you know, eight to twelve to fourteen year old kids." doing amazing things and and really you know bringing their a game every weekend mm-hmm. uh and you see a lot of support and you see you see how much really goes into this at very early levels like i said it's something i didn't have the opportunity to do um when i was little mm-hmm. um you know that we didn't have that around but now you can support that from you know 
from a leader and say, right. how can I invest back and exactly. contribute? And it's about, you know, and it's about bringing people into the sport too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had a lot of people come out and, and check, you know, okay, what are you doing? And okay, we've got this other cart that's maybe not shifter cart fast, but it's, it'll get your attention and, mm-hmm. and you get an opportunity to get somebody out there and introduce them to what it is. And, and what people don't realize, you know, you think, oh, wow, you, you know, you drive this stuff and you spend probably an hour of preparation for every minute you're on the track wow. in anything. So if you really think about the parallels between, you know, business and mm-hmm. hobbies and so forth, anything that you do. I mean, if you're a golfer, you know, how many hours you spend on the range, you know, to work on your handicap? And um, if you're a tennis player, you know, are you working with a coach? Are you, mm-hmm. are you trying to get better? Um, you know, this has a, a mechanical scenario to it where everything's got to be right because if it mm-hmm. breaks and you're not running... You're not gonna. You're not gonna do well. That's so important. And an hour for every minute, you know. And that's just that's just kind of knowing that that's that level. And you look at these IndyCar racers that are doing it really, you know, on this big professional. Right. This is they're getting paid by sponsors, and and so and they've got teams that support them. And you you know the big ones. You know Jeff Gordon mm-hmm. and and Elio, which we love in Indianapolis, right, and right. and so many, TK, and, and so we go, okay, who, who are we going to love? Who's our favorite? It's personality, it's team, it's sponsorship, mm-hmm. but all of them are doing the same thing. They're consistent in learning their craft right. so that they can go out and perform, right. right? And you have to really focus and have that within you to be able to perform at that level, and, and so I think some people say it's um, you... You can just go do something that you love, but there's a great story that my mentor, John Maxwell, you know, mm-hmm. he always talks about um, John Wooden and, and all these stories about Michael Jordan, too, right? He could be a great basketball player, but when he went to play baseball, wasn't the fit. Right. So he, you have to use your strengths, you have to use your talent, you have to use your passion to be able to be really successful in your whole life. And and so when you are, that leads into everything else. Like what you've shown us as a leader, corporate, hobby, family, you really have it kind of this complete circle and you get it. And so for you to teach us all those things, it's, I mean, it's a gift for you mm-hmm. to be here and, and teach us this. So um, I just, I can't thank you enough. And I cannot wait for this podcast to release because I want people to hear the story. I want people to connect to you that haven't had the opportunity to know who Chris Arbuckle is here in Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he travels a lot. I but travel a lot, but yeah, I'm the, this is where I come home to. Sure. This so. is where you come home to. Mm-hmm. So do you have any closing stories, any closing thoughts about leadership, what you're contributing to in the next phase and what that looks like and how we can follow you? Um, well, you know, next phase for, you know, uh, for our company, we're restructuring, you know, uh, doing a lot of restructuring. I think that's kind of a, a mantra in mm-hmm. corporate America these days. So yeah. that's, you know, there's change going on. So, yeah. um, you know, well, if, if I was to leave the listeners with something um, just to take away, don't be a spectator. Get out there and do it. Absolutely. And, and make, you know, and and make happen what you want to make happen. Make it happen. Make it make happen. It ha- make it happen. <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> So, um, no, it, it's, you know, that's something that I think that my, you know, my wife and I instilled in our kids, and, and we've tried to do that with what we do. It's, it's like it's, it's real easy to sit on the sidelines, but you have to jump in 
um, and when you decide to jump into it with both feet. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, my heart goes out to you, forever friend and forever leadership coach, Chris Arbuckle. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Molly. This exclusive event will take place at the beautiful New Fields Indianapolis Museum of Art on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. You won't want to miss this one-of-a-kind leadership workshop where you will personally engage with these 50 leaders and learn how to apply their strategies to live your life with success. Don't miss this opportunity. You can be a part of this exclusive inaugural leadership summit here in Indianapolis, March 2nd, 2019. Early bird registration begins on April 20th, 2018. Remember, there's limited space available, so reserve your spot now. If you know of anyone that would be interested in sponsoring this exclusive event, please have them contact me directly at make at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Thank you for following the podcast of Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.